So hello everybody, hello and welcome on this uh, April Sunday morning. Welcome to Essex Church where this gathered community of Kensington Unitarians meets each week. Our community is created by all people of goodwill who walk through our doors and we especially welcome visitors. So do stay after the service if you would like to for a cup of tea and a chat. Today is Palm Sunday and the start of the Christian Holy Week. And it's the second week of our ministry theme here at Essex Church of Great Lives. And today we're going to be learning a bit about some memorable Unitarians whose lives have made a difference in our world. And there is a little quiz on the uh, today's um, enclosed hymn sheet, along with your order of service sheet. And it's asking you to match up ten names with their descriptions. And there may be prizes for those who succeed in this task. I have the answers here, everybody, in multicolour. But let's take a moment now to turn away from the material world with its quizzes and its prizes. And let's instead, together, create this as a holy time and place for us to share together this morning. We can do this quite simply by being present, here in this present moment. Aware of the, the busy world outside, but, but willing to let it go for a while. Aware of ourselves and, and the concerns of our everyday lives, yet perhaps willing to let them rest for a while too, so that we might be aware of something greater than ourselves, whatever name we, we give to this, be it spirit, be it love, be it the divine, the God of our hearts and our understanding, we can create this as sacred time and space by being aware of ourselves and one another and the common humanity that connects us. That common humanity that can dissolve illusions of separation and isolation and bring instead a, a sense of connectedness with all that is. So may this time that we spend together this morning be blessed by the divine spirit of life and of love. And our chalice is lit, this, this symbol shared by Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over. I asked someone this week how, uh, how life was going for them and they described it as a bit of a roller coaster ride with more downs than ups. I don't know if that describes your week. Um, so may this chalice flame represent all life's highs and lows and all those flat places in between. And may this flame remind us of our ability to rekindle the flame of love and justice and inspiration for one another. And that's leading us into a, a time of prayer and reflection now. And uh, I'm starting with a really short piece called Waving the Palms, and that's written by Unitarian Universalist minister called David Rankin, and I just thought these were the right words for today. He tells us that Palm Sunday today is found, 
Whenever we are serving a noble and unpopular cause with selfless devotion, holding to ideals of truth and justice, whenever we are seeking to uplift the fallen, to comfort the brokenhearted, to strengthen and encourage the weak and hopeless, whenever we are working bravely and persistently in the face of abuse and criticism to establish more equitable relations in this world, whenever we are sacrificing our lives on behalf of what we believe to be the service of love for all humanity. That is Palm Sunday. And with those words to guide us, I invite you to join in this time of reflection and prayer, aligning ourselves with that which we hold to be of greatest worth. Many of us are troubled by the times in which we live, by the challenges we face and the disturbances of our wider world. May each of us in our own lives seek ways to counter hatred with love and to walk paths of peace. May we maintain our independence of thought and not be swayed by crowds and popular opinion. Instead, being guided by a still small voice within. And in a short time of quietness now, I invite you to direct your care towards those you know to be in need this day. And may our world be a kinder and more just place because of our presence here on earth. Amen. Have a, have a look at the um, smiling woman in the black and white picture on the front of today's order of service. That picture tells you quite a bit about Margaret Barr, who is the first person I want to describe as a memorable Unitarian. That picture shows her hugging a smiling child and uh, she's down at the child's level and they're in the Kazi Hills in northeastern India, a place that Margaret Barr spent most of her adult life. I think she deserves to be remembered as someone who lived her faith, um, someone who had a strong sense of calling and who followed that calling through with incredible de determination, courage, and practical action. She's somebody who rolled her sleeves up. Um, Margaret Barr discovered Unitarianism when she was a student at Girton College in Cambridge. 
She trained for the ministry, she worked as a minister with a congregation in Rotherham, and then she set off to India to work with Gandhi on his mass literacy project. Whilst in India, apparently, she watched a, a group of young children throwing stones at each other. Her translator explained that they were all from different religious groups. They were Hindus, they were Christians, they were Muslims, and they hated each other. She found out that, that children in India, by and large, were educated in single faith schools, and uh, she decided that she would work to educate children of different faiths together, and that she would teach them that love lies at the heart of all faiths, and that different faiths and different people should be respected, not feared, not hated. She went on to um, develop progressive religious education materials, and in the 1930s, she moved to the Kazi Hills community, where really interestingly, and this is for another day, um, there were tribal people who'd already had a form of Unitarian faith, emphasizing the oneness of God, so there was a real match for her there. There she established um, a school and an orphanage. She lived alongside the people she worked with, and I, I just really admire Margaret Barr for many aspects of her long and useful life. In her early adult years, she'd thought to become a missionary, um, but she quickly moved beyond any hierarchical idea that one group can ever save another. Um, she preferred to learn from people themselves about their lifestyles, their beliefs, and then do what she could to work together with them on health and education projects. She was also a brilliant fundraiser, required in any church, believe me. And um, she would regularly come back to England to raise money to then take back to the Kazi Hills. So her legacy of schools and a hospital and her message of loving acceptance of other people and their beliefs, they're all continuing to this day. That's Margaret Barr. Morning, everybody. Um, I was very pleased uh, when Sarah suggested I spoke to you today about the actor Christopher Reeve. Um, I know something about his life and, and of course the many films that he starred in. Uh, maybe you know him best for his most famous role. It's on the cover of your order of service actually on the front, Superman. Um, later in his life, Christopher and his wife, um, Dana, became members of a Unitarian Unita Universalist church in Westport, in Connecticut, in the States. I wonder what brought you to this church, our church, for the first time. For me, it was um, finding myself at a very difficult time in my life, um, and wanting, needing companions for the journey. Um, Sort of seeking a spiritual approach to life's hardships would sum it up quite well. For Christopher Reeve and Dana, it was a shocking accident which caused a dramatic change in their lives and led, them to seek, led him to seek a spiritual community where they could be themselves and share their issues with others. In his 40s, at the peak of his acting career, a happily married man with children, Christopher fell from his horse and was left quadriplegic, paralyzed from the neck down and needing a portable ventilator to help him breathe for the rest of his life. Writing about this accident, Christopher was honest about his early reactions to his paralysis, 
thinking it would be better if he'd died. But his wife and children encouraged him to go on, reminding him that he was still himself, even though outwardly he had changed so much. Even though he was now confined to a wheelchair, he realised that he could use his fame and his wealth to work to improve the conditions of others in his situation. And that's what he did for the rest of his life. He pushed the American government to increase spending on stem cell research for spinal cord injuries. He and Dana set up a foundation and provided simple adaptations like comfier wheelchairs and simple to use ramps to make the lives of paralyzed people and their carers a bit easier. And he spoke to anyone and everyone he could to improve public awareness of disability issues. He wrote about the frustrations of his new life, but also its unexpected blessings. Now he could no longer rush about as a busy adult. His children would come and sit on him and play on his wheelchair and cuddle him and talk to him in a way that they'd never been able to do when he was able-bodied and always on the move. He was completely honest about how difficult it was to live within a body he could no longer control. And how dark thoughts would cloud in on him at times, especially in the middle of the night. But he knew the power of his mind and of his willpower and of his compassionate heart. He wrote that in those moments, and I quote, I find that it's best to think, well, what can I do today? Is there something I can accomplish? A phone call I can make, a letter I can write, a person I can talk to that will move things forward. He wrote about our need to conquer inner space and to come to terms with ourselves and our lives. I wonder if these words resonate with you as they do with me. This is Christopher Reeve describing what brought him to his Unitarian Universalist congregation. And these words are printed on the front of today's order of service. I believe we are all one family and need each other in times of grief and gladness. And I believe in the power of human ingenuity and people of goodwill to make a difference in the world. This is my credo as a Unitarian Universalist. It's what Superman and I have in common. So we're going to um, do a short meditation, um, a meditation that involves counting the breath, which is a very common way of meditation, calming the mind and bringing us into the present moment of awareness. So you might like to put down any books. Have both feet on the floor, perhaps uncross your legs, sit up straight. And then let's just lift up the shoulders with an in-breath, roll them back and down as you exhale. So again, breathing in, breathing out, and the last one, breathing in, breathing out. So we're sitting up straight in a posture that encourages awareness and dignity. So you might like now to lower your gaze or close your eyes and just be aware of being in your body, all of your body, not just your head. 
and just be aware that you're breathing. Breathing in and breathing out. So now we're just going to introduce some counting just to focus the mind on the action of breathing. So we're going to count up to five and then back down from five to one again as we breathe in and breathe out. So I'll just guide you through it a few times and then you can just carry on on your own. So we're going to breathe in, count one, breathe out, count two. Breathe in, count three, breathe out, count four. Breathe in, count five, then down. Breathe out, count four, breathe in, count three, breathe out, count two, breathe in, count one, and then up again. So breathe out, count two, breathe in, count three, breathe out, count four, breathe in, count five. Four, breathe in, count three, breathe out, two, breathe in, one. So just carry on up to five <coughs> and down again to one in your own time.
Um, some years ago, I taught religious education at a, a school in North London. And it was a school that had been established in 1885 primarily to educate the daughters of Unitarian ministers. Um, and Unitarians at that time were unusual in wanting girls to receive a proper education, the, the equal of boys. Now, during my time there at that school, um, the school library was being culled. It always pains me when people cull libraries, but it seems to have to be done periodically. And the librarian found this book entitled Memorable Unitarians. And she decided that it should be given to me as the only Unitarian on the staff. And the other staff then teased me gently thereafter, expressing um, surprise that the book was as thick as it is, <laughs> and, and querying if a religious movement as small as ours had ever contained anyone famous at all, which I thought was very cheeky. But you'll be pleased to hear that I fought back with some homemade cards showing various famous Unitarians and listing their many achievements. So um, some of the names that I mentioned to my teaching colleagues are on today's quiz sheet. And I wonder if you've managed already to match up the famous ten names with their descriptions. I fear Tristan has now got the answers. You might have been one of the few people who knew them anyway. No. I'll show you the answers later. And there are prizes at the back of Quality Street. Um, and, and to be honest, even with that list of ten, there's one or two who, if they were here today, might quibble about being described as Unitarians. Um, and that is, I think, one of our movement's endearing features, that we often claim famous names as our own, when in truth they merely had, I don't know, Unitarian family connections, or they were friends with Unitarians, <laughs> or they went to a service once. <laughs> I mean, some of my famous examples of that are Florence Nightingale. Well, she did have Unitarian grandparents and famous ones at that. She certainly inherited their independent spirit and her commitment to the education of women and the respect for all world faiths. But I suspect she did not think all that much of the Unitarians of her day. Um, Charles Darwin, he's another one. His wife, Emma, was one of the famous Wedgwood family, long Unitarian links in that family. Darwin's mother was a Unitarian, um, and he, he did go to a Unitarian chapel with his mum when he was young. But um, once he was a, an adult and a, a father, he used to go for a walk on Sunday mornings when his own family went off to the local parish church. And then Charles Dickens. Now, Charles Dickens did briefly join a Unitarian church in 1843 after a visit to America. So he became a Unitarian for a while. He, he wrote a letter to his uh, American Unitarian friend. I have carried into an effect an old idea of mine, and I've joined the Unitarians, who would do something for, for human improvement if they could, and they practice charity and toleration. But he soon returned to the Anglicans. And uh, it, he was friends with many of the leading Unitarians of his day, including Mrs. Gaskell. I'm intrigued to know how many of us know of Mrs. Gaskell. There's a, oh yes, a goodly smattering. I'm pleased to see that. 
Uh, let me tell you a little more about Mrs. Gaskell, Elizabeth Gaskell. She was a daughter of a Unitarian minister. She married a minister, um, the minister of uh, Cross Street Unitarian Chapel in Manchester, William Gaskell. Now, Elizabeth was an incredibly intelligent woman. She had a strong social conscience. Some of her books may now seem a little dated to us, but I think their message rings through to this day and is actually entirely relevant to this day because the message was that, that poverty is unjust and, and that it can and should be eased through fairer working conditions and through education for all. That's not so difficult, is it, really? Um, and Gaskell challenged the hypocrisy of her day that was so incredibly judgmental um, of fallen women as women who became pregnant whilst unmarried were described. What a, what a thought. Um, Gaskell, as a Unitarian, rejected the, the concept of original sin. So she truly believed, as, as I suspect most of us do, that the, the human mind and soul are not innately sinful, but instead we have immense and constant potential for growth and change. So consequently, the Unitarians considered the environment as fundamentally responsible for shaping and determining an individual's character and fate. I think that is a very significant issue to this day. Uh, there is still a little story that goes on that people can pull them up by their boots themselves up by their bootstraps and um, are responsible for those their own conditions. Now Elizabeth Gaskell's most controversial work was called Ruth and it was the sympathetic portrayal of a single woman becoming pregnant. It, it's hard now for us to imagine the controversy that the publication of this book caused and um, Elizabeth's bravery in continuing to sp pursue her career as an author whilst being a busy mother. Um, you know, that is, she's always going to have a, a place in my list of memorable Unitarians and very worthy ones at that. So, so we've considered the lives of a few famous Unitarians today. We've not mentioned any Unitarians who could be considered memorable for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> the infamous, the notorious. But you know we've had our fair share of those too. And, and when I look round at all of us Kensington Unitarians, now now is not the time to ask if any of you are famous or maybe consider yourselves to be infamous. But, but you know, I reckon as ordinary mortals, we can make ourselves into memorable Unitarians or, or maybe just memorable human beings by allowing our faith and our values to shape the way we live our lives. And, and by telling other people why we want to be part of a progressive religious community here in the 21st century. You know, I, together, I reckon we can really help people to live great lives. And, and that means being who we are and sharing what we have and doing what we can. Simple as that. Amen. American uh, poet Emily Dixon is another person of note who is sometimes claimed 
uh, wrongly as a Unitarian, but, um, but then why not claim a poet with such human insight as one of us? So I wonder if you know this verse of hers, um, an antidote surely to any thought that our lives might not be of some significance. They might not need me, but they might. I'll let my head be just in sight. A smile as small as mine might be, precisely their necessity. So may may each of us in the week ahead find simple, kindly ways to make our lives of value to others to make a difference in this beautiful, troubled world of ours, using our unique gifts to support the greater good of all. Amen. Amen. Go well, and blessed be. <laughs>